Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. The Bible says that each one of us individually will one day appear before God and be judged with eternal consequences. But this judgment is not only about us. The book of Revelation focuses on the culmination of the great controversy with Lucifer, that rebel angel who challenged the justice, fairness and wisdom of God. Revelation's final judgment is at the very centre of this conflict over the character of God. In our program today, we will see that judgment vindicates not only us, but also God. On our panel today, we have Arika Puni and John Cosmeyer. Hi. Welcome. Before we start our discussion, let's bow for prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for the Bible, the Word of God, the lamp to our feet and a sure guide to our life. Today, we're going to discuss the good news of the judgment that takes place in heaven. We ask that the Holy Spirit direct our discussion and gives us and our viewers wisdom to understand this important topic. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, the last messages of God to the, to the world are found in Revelation 14. And there's three angels' messages. And I'm going to read the, the message of the first angel. So I'm going to be reading from Revelation 14, verses 6 and 7. And it says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, kindred, and tongue, and people. And verse 7 saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Now in the first angel's message, um, why would the gospel in verse 6 be described as everlasting, John? God does nothing without a plan. And here in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, in the New King James Version, it says, just as he chose us in him, we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. So this is everlasting. And here we find that God, he put that plan in place because the gospel is the good news that Christ would come and that he would die and pay the penalty for our sins and by faith in his shed blood, that because of the resurrection that took place, we find that we are able to be delivered from sin, both its penalty, which of course is death, and also the power. So we don't have to sin. And uh, this gospel is the, the basic, the basis of our future hope and for us to live now. So everlasting is from the foundation from right to the end of right time. Right through. And we're just slap bang somewhere along that line. Yeah, very interesting. Well, Erika, got a question on the everlasting gospel in verse 6 compared to verse 7 where it talks about the judgment. What is the connection between this everlasting gospel and the judgment referred to in verse 7? You know, it's, it's interesting, uh, just going back to uh, John's earlier comments, 
that everlasting also has the the idea that in terms of scripture it's the same plan from the old testament to the new testament and definitely it captures all generations in the context of uh, revelation 14 7 uh, rod uh, the the judgment is part of the everlasting gospel. Um, it, it's no different. It's an integral part of the everlasting gospel. Uh, we need to be reminded, however, that the everlasting gospel is about salvation that is available to us through Jesus Christ uh, alone. And that through uh, his death, we are saved. That being said, we as recipients of that salvation must respond uh, to that invitation of God. And I'm thinking of this particular verse in in John 3, verse 18, that when you believe in Jesus, uh, you're not condemned. But if you're not, then you are condemned. So the concept of judgment is there. Interestingly, uh, of course, is the fact that uh, because of Christ, uh, we have this hope that in spite of what the judgment may bring to us, we, we can move into this space with great confidence, mm. not because of us, but because of him. Mm. Mm. Yes, very good. Well, let's talk about um, what Jesus actually did. Jesus had to balance both justice, he had to meet the demands of the law, and also mercy. How do we get, how did he get that balance right with what happened, John? We have the problem, but we also have the solution. When we turn to the book of Romans, chapter 3, and we read verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So all of us, Mm. doesn't matter how good you are, we we are all the victims of sin. And then when you turn over to chapter 6 and read verse 23, oh, what a blessing. Romans 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm -hmm. And here Christ came to this world and he lived for 33 years and uh, he went right through and he never sinned, Mm. fighting the battle against sin all the time. And then voluntarily he went to the cross and he died so that we don't have to. Eternal death, that is. And as a result, we find that the gift of God uh, is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord, if we accept Mm. by faith. Yes. The price has been paid. We are promised eternal life. Justice was met. And as as a result, God can say to us, in mercy, I extend this gift to you. What a wonderful privilege that is mm, mm. for us in our life. And so when the judgment comes, hello, God has already declared us mm. to be guiltless in Christ. Mm. Everything depends upon Jesus. So just on that point, if everything depends upon Jesus and we are saved by our faith in what Jesus has done, I want to read a verse from Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. And Arika, if I can get your comment on this, because this, this seems like a contradiction to what we've just said. It says in verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in, her, in the books according to their works. Is there a contradiction here? Are we judged by our faith in what Christ has done with a, with a combination of our works? What's this, how do we explain this, Erika? That, that's a, an interesting question and a difficult one at that. Um, let me start my response by reading uh, Ephesians, which is uh, one of the books uh, from the New Testament, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. And then I'll, I'll answer the question. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And, and you made it very clear, Rod, not by works so that no one can boast. That being said, here, here's what we read in verse 10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance from, uh, uh, for us uh, to do. So, so in, in this passage, uh, you have, if I put it this way, two sides of the coins. There is that salvation through faith in the, in the grace of, of God. But then uh, when we are saved in Christ, uh, our works testify uh, testify to that commitment for life uh, for Christ. It is expression of our loyalty uh, to God. And so uh, I, I don't see a contradiction, but this is a life that's been saved. But now we've got to leave uh, to do this work that God has called us uh, to do, according to Ephesians chapter 2. So if we truly believe what Christ has done for us, then our faith in what he's done for us will change us and our works will change and our works will be manifested by the belief we have. So our works are going to be revealing the condition of what we really believe. It, it speaks yeah. to our salvation. Yeah, yeah, it speaks to our salvation. Yeah. Okay, thank you for that. We're going to look at now at two, two visions that were given of um, the throne of God in heaven. One was given in the book of Daniel, one was given in the book of Revelation. We're going to look at the one in Daniel first. We're going to read now um, Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 to 10. And John, I'm going to get you to comment on my question on this. But I'll read the verse first. And it says, this is chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. And I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. And verse 10, A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. Now, what is this actually describing, in your opinion, John? It's de describing the judgment scene that's going to take place so that everything can be revealed because the devil accuses us and God says, well, this is what's been recorded. Now, it talks about books because that's what they had in those days. Today, we'd be using computers and records and all kinds of things. Mm. And we don't know what heaven uses to record it. Mm. But it's good to know that all of our good things are recorded. And Christ has taken care of the bad ones. Mm. So this is the judgment mm. where heaven will determine as to who goes in to the new Jerusalem. And uh, our future is determined in a very fair 
and a very clear way so that all the questions will have been answered and forever we can live without question. Mm. It's interesting too that this judgment is not an isolated thing. It's been witnessed by all the angels. Well, mm. we don't know all the angels, but 10,000 times 10,000. This is a- That is true. And you've got to remember that at that time, the wicked angels will also be in the judgment mm. to answer for what they have done. And then God will say, well, Yes, it's very, a very powerful um, vision. It's very sobering as well. Um, Erika, it describes what we're seeing. When does this happen? When does this take place? Right, I think it's important, uh, particularly when, when reading the book of Daniel, to read uh, Daniel 7 and uh, perhaps even Daniel 2 together because there, there are some similarities in terms of history. Mm. Uh, so the sequence that we, we see here, number one, we see those four kingdoms, mm. uh, starting, of course, with Babylon, Media, Persia, mm. Greece, and then Rome. Then, of course, we see the, the, the coming into existence of another power uh, referred to here and, and uh, as, as kind of the, the, the little horn, if you may, and, and the persecution of the saints, God's people for a given time, which is also picked up by Revelation uh, itself. And then there's a, a change of sh- a scene uh, w- which is captured here in chapter 7 and to verse 13 and 14, which I would like to read. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming in the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into, into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power All peoples, nations, and men of every language worship him. His dominion is everlasting that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be uh, destroyed. And so in this sequence of events, uh, we also see the so-called judgment scene, which takes place before the return or the coming uh, of uh, Jesus uh, Christ. It it is probably important at this point in time also to uh, mention that when we look at, at Daniel and the book of Ezra, uh, we come to a realization that uh, this so-called, I'm going to use the term, pre-advent judgment mm. uh, started uh, in the year 1844 uh, before Christ comes to this earth. So the next event after this judgment is the second coming. It's Jesus coming. Right. Now, John, how can we be sure that's is, what other evidence we have that that's the case, that the next event is the second coming? <laughs> well, Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 27. For the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. So we're waiting for Jesus to come and he will bring his angels with him. And it'll be the end of this world as it is. But that is what will bring in Mm. the events and the very heaven that we're waiting for. Mm. So the reward hasn't been given to anybody yet. We're waiting for the second coming. Because the dead are in the the grave and the living are living. um, And Christ brings his reward with him. Okay. That's the study of the millennium. Yes. And that's a good study too. So, Erika, we see this vision of um, the judgment in heaven. Daniel sees this vision. And this takes place just before the second coming. What is the outcome? What is the verdict of this judgment? 
Again, whereas uh, Daniel chapter 7 has lots of details, right? Mm. Uh, and I think sometimes it's important for us that we're not, we don't get lost in the details. Because yeah. I think the, the overarching theme, uh, which I'm going to suggest, is the judgment here. And it's captured in this word. So let me read to you now chapter 7 and verse 22. Until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the saints of the Most High. And a time came when they possessed uh, the kingdom. So simply put, simply put, uh, God intervenes. And at the end of this judgment, the pronouncement is in favor of the followers uh, mm. of Jesus or the ancient of days. You know, and uh, that is good news. That's fantastic. That news. is good news. You know, at, at the end, you know, good wins. Yeah. It Jesus doesn't, doesn't say in favor of some of the yeah. saints. In favor of the saints. Yes. That's all the saints. Okay, well, let's, let's move on now. We're going to look at the, uh, another, another scene. This time it's in the book of Revelation. And I'm going to turn to Revelation, look at chapter 4 and reading uh, verses, one and, uh, verses 2 to 4. And John, I'm going to get you to comment this if I can. It says, And immediately I, I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow around about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And around about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had their heads crowned with gold. So we see this scene. Um, what are the differences to what we're seeing here compared to what Daniel saw? This really is getting very much toward the end of the judgment scene because all the issues have been dealt with and here are the elders and then you have verse 11. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. And so here we have the, the universe starting to to see the clarity of the decisions that were made. And they said, praise God. Mm. Whereas back in Daniel, the thrones were put in place. That's what it meant, you know, when the, the cast down, because that's the sort of thrones they had there. Uh, whereas now, everybody's standing there and praising, glorifying God. So, so Rika, who are these elders that are being referred to here, sitting on these, these seats? Yeah, let me read to you the text. Um, it's verse 10 of chapter 4. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy our God. And that's the one that yes. you picked up, uh, uh, John. Listen, to be, to be quite honest, um, and yet again, it's one of those details uh, where it is not clearly spelled for us. And I think we, we need to say, listen, mm. we don't know. But what we do know uh, in the context of Revelation, that these are um, angelic beings. And obviously in verse 10, they are leading these praises uh, of, of the Lamb, uh, the Lamb of God. Mm, mm. Uh, but it's an interesting detail in terms of the, of the scene and the picture, the big picture. In Revelation 5, which carries on, of course, from this, this vision of these uh, elders, the mood changes um, describe that to us, John. Why, is it, why does this, 
the mood change. Yeah, because it goes back, because in order to be able to have the judgment, all this, somebody has to reveal what is happening. And here in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 to 3, and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. This is properly mm. shut up. It really is. And then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or in the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Mm. And so we have a picture here of that which has been recorded as being sealed up. And that's why it's called a seal. And we noticed in verse four, it says that John wept much. Why would that be the case, Erika? Why would John be weeping? Well, I guess, uh, uh, Rod, uh, the idea of John uh, weeping has to do with, with uh, obviously a concern for, for the salvation of humanity. Uh, and those who may may miss out in this wonderful plan uh, of, of God. But John, you can add to that. When you look at the Bible and the places where weeping takes place, and here it takes place, because the angel realises the mm. difficulty that there is of not having the answers. And here this scroll has to be opened. Mm. And... Um, immediately after the, the resurrection of Christ on earth, when you read in John, Jesus presents himself to the Father in heaven as a redeemer of humanity and his atonement for the sins of humanity is accepted. There is rejoicing in heaven that humanity is saved. And so they're going through the judgment experience here and, and the rejoicing that takes place. And so in Revelation chapter 5, we've just read, that has not yet come about. That still has to be revealed. Mm, okay. Look, I'm going to move on again to uh, read Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And Revelation 5 verse 9 says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God, and by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So we see here that... Um, Suddenly the mood changes rather dramatically. Everyone's, you know, quite, quite happy. Um, how does this indicate some vindication? Um, and who witnesses this event, Erika? The, the picture that we see here in chapter 5 is that uh, we have myriads of angels who are witnessing this particular scene, which is one of celebration. Uh, which seem to celebrate the fact that here is Jesus, Lamb of God, the only person who is qualified to redeem mankind, and he alone can open this book. And then we, we see this uh, a burst of, of celebration uh, that, that echoes the, the praises for this one being this person, the Lamb of God, who alone is qualified uh, to bring an end to this experience. Eric, uh, it's interesting how that you read verses back in, in Daniel. When you read this mm. verse here, 
Verse 9, the first part refers back to Daniel 12. The second part refers back to Daniel 7, verse 22. The third part refers back to Daniel chapter 7 and 14. So this is not in isolation. This is a repetition of the judgment that took place in Daniel and now the great rejoicing takes place. Yes. What a song. Yeah. Hmm. Well, God says in Daniel, as we read earlier, Daniel 7, 22, that um, the judgment is found in favour of the saints. But God's character is also being assessed here. John, how is God's character also being judged? When you think back of what happens at the second coming, that's looking forward, the saints are taken to reign with Christ for a thousand years. At that time, we, as part of that group, go through the books. The books. We'll see God um, did everything possible to save people on earth. And that's very important because that puts a very positive understanding of God's character. Mm. And so thus God's character is vindicated among the righteous. And when the wicked dead arise at the end of the thousand years, they too will bow their knee before God and say, you are righteous. We were the ones who sinned and did not change. And this is where the lesson today is asking us to make sure that we change, that we make a positive choice for God mm. and then we're, when we are judged, what's the problem? Well, it's good news if we have our faith in Christ. It is absolute good news. Mm. Yeah. The interesting thing about the judgment is that when you go back through what God is actually uh, allowing to be judged, mm. uh, there was a judgment at the cross from the yes. point of view that at the cross, the angel saw that Satan really was a murderer. He murdered the Son of God, an innocent... Um, it was the Lamb of God who was innocent from sin. Mm. And he was murdered. Mm. Then we have from... It's interesting how that he was slain from the foundation of the world as well. Yes. And so, you know, Christ and people working together for the vindication of God's character. So the angels uh, saw the judgment of Satan's um, wrongdoing and God's real character, the cross. Then we have humans get to see that. Uh, judgment in the millennium, as the you millennium, said. Yes. So the righteous have sort of had the books open. They've examined that God is righteous. That's a privilege. And then at the end of the time when the, the wicked are raised, they too, because it says that every knee shall bow. Mm. And God wants all the universe, uh, all the created beings that, mm. uh, to acknowledge that what he's done has been fair, just, and, and that he is in fact a God of love. So and then he execute the final judgment at that point. Exactly, exactly. Then the executive judgment, the lake of fire. Well, that's all we First have. First judgment was an investigative. Now we have the executive. Yeah. Well, that's all we have time for. Thank you, Arika. Thank you, John. Interesting you. discussion. And yes, there is a judgment taking place right now in heaven. The books are open and the destiny of all of us is being decided in heaven's courtroom. But because of what Jesus has done for humanity, truth triumphs, justice reigns. There is nothing to fear in the judgment because judgment is found in favour of God's people. When Jesus returns very soon, he'll bring his rewards of eternal life to give to each of his people. So put your hope, faith and trust in Jesus today and receive that wonderful reward of eternal life with him. 
Thank you for joining us on Let God Speak. All past programs plus Nietzsche's teacher's notes are available on our website. And join us again next week, and God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.